0: All the old ladies are just taking numbers to do the stair stepper next to you. I've had my fair share of old lady
1: approach me <laughs> on, a stair- on a stair stepper. <laughs> yeah.
0: And we're back hey. on our podcast. The big one, episode 52. Did you see that? No. I caught that hair that was falling out of the sky. <laughs> the sky is falling. <laughs> Episode 52, one year since we started the Hunter podcast. Crazy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We want to thank everybody for listening uh, to this podcast. Come a long way since episode one. Um, Yeah. Guests,
1: mics, topics. It's been fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're just just getting going. It's just kind of the... <clears throat> into the next one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for us, I mean, what, we we kind of started it, you know, much like we say on this thing, is more of a passion project and and we're kind of stewards of the podcast and, you know, really of, of deer hunting, land management, you know, everything that surrounds that. I mean, you know, one of the cool things for us since we really started pulling in guests was the ability to, you know, ask questions and learn ourselves, you know, whether you're talking about Winky or... Sturgis or Eberhardt, you know, the thing is, is like, we're trying to understand if things that we're curious about in our own hunting and, and management, but probably more so, um, and I think y- you kind of said it, um, you know, best on like the Eberhardt stuff is like, you know, why people hunt or manage land or, you know, everything is around deer and deer hunting, obviously, but you know, why do people do it? Because there are so many different reasons for why they do what they do yeah um you know we hear that out of a guy last week from from Eberhardt's side which is you know the the person that I challenged finding is like who really wants to just hunt public land you know and I know he does some walking only and permission-based stuff but you know, there's a guy who literally focuses on hunting public land and he loves it I'm sure Eberhardt can hunt and manage private land if he wanted to it mm-hmm. doesn't um, which is kind of weird. Cause it's like, I feel like, it, you know, not speaking for you, but that's pretty abstractly far from where I'm at in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and a lot of it is because of what, what we talk about and probably where a lot of this podcast will go is, you know, the, the management side of it, right. The things after the season ends that we're so excited about, you know, and, and it could start as simple as, you know, today's December 23rd. So tomorrow's Christmas Eve, Christmas, you're listening to this first week of January, but um, I found these just an hour ago. Um, we were out shooting content uh, up here on the mountain in Pennsylvania, and we pulled up in the truck to uh, where we were just doing some shooting range stuff, and I was like, uh, is that an antler? I was like, that's a good antler. And then as soon as I was going to set up the rest of the stuff, there's the other one sticking in the ground. So brand new, you know, maybe last night, maybe two nights ago, I don't know. literally just sitting on top of the ground in the field you know probably a three-year-old eight point crazy i've
1: never never found a set that early
0: maybe my lone survivor three year
1: old on on the mountain i mean dude we've seen bucks holding in march mid mid to late march that's what makes shed hunting so tough yeah maybe the
0: only antlers i get my hands on all year
1: makes his (laughs) camera so critical
0: yeah which frankly um i've my cameras are up there i haven't really i haven't really spent a lot of time on the on that place this year just because the way it was hunted but yeah i mean it's crazy when you think about it so you know I, I guess before we kind of really dive into the meat of the podcast number one i want to thank everybody for listening for the first year you know jared and i have really appreciate it we've had a blast um there's been a ton of comments you know whether it's because of our little giveaways we started or you guys are actually getting intrigued with the podcast um i will say uh, last week's winner of the stealth camp fusion is daniel stern so i wrote daniel on i think he was on youtube um and request that he send his info uh, to us so we can get him out to Stealth Cam stealth Fusion X. And we're going to do another killer call, um, the old-school old, old school Primo's Buckroar uh, in combo kit with the can. So we're going to give another one of these away. Again, just leave us a comment on the YouTube video, like, share, review, uh, whatever works best for you, but we'll get another one of these out. There's not many of these left either down there's still other killer calls i personally kept like three of them so
1: i don't ever you run. bought a bunch for it to give away and you kept three of them
0: well yeah but i don't want to like ever run out like what if i lose the one that i've been carrying for 10 years now huh. are they not still making that no it's gone to the second version
1: oh well the second one's just as good mm, never is that's what i use it's to. like saying home never, alone 2 is better than home alone one it's not as good oh speaking of which <laughs> i watched the uh new matrix last night oh did you well, wasn't that good,
0: really? Yeah. It's been a while,
1: yeah. I like Keanu, mm. but uh, it, let's put it this way it, there was about an hour left, and March and I like went to bed, paused and went wow. To bed. it, wow, it's like eight o'clock.
0: Wow, yeah. disappointing,
1: yeah. A lot of like uh, they were trying to tie in footage from like the original, the ones, originals because like, they don't have Morpheus back, yeah, right, and so there's like the, just a, another random like black guy. and... Like new people, and they're just trying to tie it all together, and they're like referencing the old stuff, Mm. and it's like it just didn't.
0: Once again, why the original didn't come out is never succeeded as being better after the first. Yeah.
1: Don't worry though, if you don't get the first one, or if you don't like win one from us or something, the second one's still pretty good. Yeah, that's what I use.
0: It's a good call. Again, no affiliation. (laughs) I just I thought it was cool that I found like a lot of those at uh, Roger Sporting Goods, and I was like, cool. Uh, We'll give them away because good call there you go um so this week on the podcast no guests just jared and i so everybody probably just tuned out uh no just kidding uh but we just kind of wanted to go over you know kind of a year in review here of 21. Um, if you guys are listening to this is the first full week of january 2022 um and if you're in the industry or typically attend the archer trade association show this year in louisville kentucky We will be there live with the hunter podcast for uh january 7th 8th 9th um so if you see us stop by grab us talk to us um but we're gonna pull in some guys uh in person jeff sturgis i know will be there war britain and the hunting public probably dan enfault um a couple other guests that we're going to be pulling in in a live format there so again if you're listening to this now check us out at the ATA show live. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that we wanted to use today for was really to discuss, you know, kind of just year in review, not necessarily only about the podcast, but you know, hunting season in review. Um, not that it's over yet, thank God, cause I, I haven't filled a tag. Um, but also thinking about 22 and kind of where we're going, um, you know, with Hunter as a brand and the podcast and kind of some of our activities here um that we've got lined up in 22 and and uh, it's crazy i mean even just staring at a match set on our desk already is like that puts a little panic in me
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> man i, I haven't <laughs> even given it a thought like i
0: i've been seeing some people i mean there's definitely some people who've been posting that they're fi- they're seeing shed bucks or finding yeah, a couple of sheds here people, and there
1: though. just weird as <laughs>
0: yeah well like i you know some of the ohio um forums and stuff i've been on like guys finding random ones here and there um somebody posted a buck that had shed on camera but like he he looked rough yeah like to see this there and I mean there was a lot of deer sun. we were in um just a big open old like clover field that mm-hmm. I had planted two years ago I mean there was a ton of deer sign in it I mm-hmm. mean like just droppings like everywhere like I mean they're hammering it for sure and thus these two just laying right in the middle of the plot um but yeah, really interesting. That's pretty cool.
1: It doesn't happen very often.
0: Well, that's what I told the guys. I was like, I was like, you don't understand. Like I found a match set. Like this could be the only match set I find all season.
1: <laughs> like, you ever found a match set?
0: Yeah, but it's been a while. Yeah. Normally it's like you and I, like I'll find one, you find one, like one of these deer or over there that we found in Kansas. Like I found one side, you find one side. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they were sixty yards apart.
1: Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's it's rare on a property like that because it's Ninety-eight percent, you know, big timber and yeah, thousand acres hills and
0: yeah, that they were just there, they were, you know, and you know you hear that a lot when people are looking for sheds. Is you know you find one, you want to make a pretty pretty valiant effort to find the other one, but man, I find a lot of one sides, yeah, you know, and I feel like I put a heck of an effort in, um but yeah, it's just it's wild, you know. I, we were talking about Sean Luckdal who was on the podcast before. His dad just killed a really nice buck, I think last night or two nights ago in Missouri. Um, I, a, a guy that I know killed a pretty good buck in West Virginia last night.
1: Some saw and One of his buddies just killed one off the same farm, which. Up a, in no Iowa. Surprise, but.
0: Yeah, like a big nine or something. Mm-hmm. And then, like, here we are looking at, you know, a match set. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, how are we on this teetering brink of, like, deer dropping already? You know, and, and I think one thing. <clears throat> so let me pull out the biologist side of this. You know, one thing that I, I hear a lot is. You know, people will say, oh, you know, they're, they're dropping early this year, like it's, and it it's it just like the rut, right? It's it's very consistent from year to year. What you tend to see from a, um, a dropping standpoint is either poor condition of the deer, right? So if that deer is in poor condition, his testosterone level will fall faster, thus he'll drop earlier. Um, the other thing is if he's sick or wounded, right? Same thing, body condition, you know, he's trying to pull back those resources, testosterone's fallen, he's gonna drop earlier. But from a year to year standpoint, you know, unless there's some sort of health, um, you know, issue, or there's been a significant uh, change in the buck to doe ratio, right? That's the other way that we really see it is like, if the if the buck to doe ratio is getting tighter, and those does aren't carrying through to other cycles, or there's not fawns falling into a late cycle, those testosterone levels fall faster. Deer tend to drop earlier in those areas.
1: are you saying the same buck will drop relatively the same time from year to year, as not,
0: long as those things don't
1: change? Not like a whole herd of bucks.
0: Um, I mean, if you think about the herd as a whole, if they if there is not adult does that need to be bred because they've all been bred in, let's say November, and there aren't as many or very few doe fawns hitting that critical weight for reproduction, then yeah, the the whole herd of bucks testosterone level is going to fall faster, and bucks are going to drop quicker basically mm-hmm. whereas in like certain areas like Pittsburgh's a great area right there's uh, the buck to doe ratio is like completely out of a whack in that area and you'll see like and I've got plenty of deer that I've seen in March carrying antlers well it's because you know does are getting missed and in January and February they're still breeding trying to breed adult does so that testosterone never level falls and never falls down enough uh essentially for that abscission line which is what it's called to get eaten away and the antler to cast so you know if I have to assume and again I don't know from cameras yet, but like this year was either probably rot worn to nothing he's either injured or there's probably most of the does have been bred up there and there's not money coming through from a from a fawn cycle hmm. um and that doesn't mean that he can't breed a doe once he shed his sheds his antlers because he absolutely can do that yeah, yeah absolutely can still still viable for that but it it is that tipping point in the uh, the testosterone cycle that starts to decrease that triggers the, the shedding process. So he can breed a doe. Like, you know, I've seen it before. Um, I've seen bucks grunting full steam, you know, with no antlers in January. But, um, yeah, the, for sure the earliest I've ever found uh, a shed and for sure a set. Yeah. You know, within the day probably.
1: I'm always afraid to go on onto the property yeah we talked uh, about unless that. I know that they've shed because if you push them off like you know first of all you're disturbing them mm-hmm. so they're going to get up and shake their head around and there's there's pretty good chance that you're going to push them off for a period of time and they're going to shed somewhere else and it's not like yeah. even if that buck comes back you know because if they shed them over there that's where they're at yep
0: well if you think about it even last year like um is it last year we were in Kansas and like we weren't finding any sheds in the spring yeah just last year, yeah, we were looking for sheds. Yeah, because I think Goldie was with us. Okay, so we're out there looking for sheds, and it's like finding oldies here. Like, it's like what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you jump four bucks together, still packing. And
1: was that March or April? March, March, late, late March, late March, March. twenty sixth. Yeah, it's like what? Yeah.
0: Like, how's that possible? Here we are, December twenty third, dropped. Super weird. And it's, it, it just becomes those areas where, you know, whether it's the deer condition or, or buck to doe ratio, um, you know, that tends to be the biggest factor. You know, I mean, I was looking at some of the guys posts down in Mississippi that I used to go to school with and uh know like they're getting ready to hunt a rut and Mm -hmm. here we are holding sheds, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, that's the, you know, when we talk about this podcast, that's the kind of dynamic that we're looking for is that there, there are so many different micro communities within this deer hunting, you know larger community itself right and you know I know Eberhart and probably we did too we route up the crossbow guys a little bit last week you know but that's part of it like I want to hear you guys tell me that we're wrong and that you don't you know pull a crossbow out shoot it five times and then walk in the woods and kill one at 80 yards that you are as dedicated as you know the bow hunter as the recurve hunter as whatever you know same with the rifle guys so I think that it's interesting when you start to look at kind of where everybody's at, like here, our mind's starting to transition to 22 and off-season management and property acquisition and guys in Mississippi are like, what are you talking about? Like peak ruts next week, you know, Alabama hasn't even like got there yet, like a week or two away, you know, and it's so, it's so weird to be thinking about, you know, all these different areas within this, this community and yeah. You know, here we are holding sheds and about to teeter and sunset the the season out.
1: Yeah, I'm about over it. <laughs> You're about over the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for this. Is kind of like my reset, fresh start period here. If I, if I mean, if I still had a tag and in a good spot to go, you know, hunting for the late season, I would do it absolutely. And there's, you know, a month or so that you can do that, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if they hang on to them. But mm-hmm. I'm ready to start busting the chainsaw out and and walking for for some sheds and, and kind of putting a plan together for for next year, you know, especially at like my my home place in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like I'm uh, just like, you know, relative year over year. And it seems like, I mean, dude, I haven't got a picture of a shooter buck on my farm probably since November 1st. That's wild, man. I know. 1,000 acres. Yeah. I don't get it. I know. You have the food too. Yeah, we've got food. And I've got, um you know, some two-year-olds and does. Lots of does. Basically is what's there. I, I, it seems like, um it seems like them small late season food sources don't do it. Like, you know, it, it's, it's good to get some, catch them the end of November, early December, like rut movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's enough to hold like a, a mature buck in some cases. You know, it seems like the size of that food source matters. Like they, they want a big destination food source for late in the season and they'll travel to it, you know, but I, Even though I've got altogether maybe four acres of brassicas and little half acre acre deals, they're just not hitting. None of them are holding a mature buck. Like it's he's not frequent frequenting it at all. I have to imagine because I know they're in the area. You know they're probably holding up in more thermal cover on the neighbor's property, and even if they're like migrating to a several acre bean field.
0: Well, I think that's an interesting point because you know we're we're obviously talking a lot about northeast Midwest and and here it is. You know we're a week away from January or listen to this, we're in January, but like the next two and a half, probably months are extremely tough on a whitetail. you know, January, February, first two weeks of March prior to green up are just brutal on that deer, especially these mature bucks who've come out of a rut where they've beat the hell out of themselves essentially. And so I think if you, if you're a mature buck and you think about it, you probably are going to set up your winter range in an area where you know there's probably enough food and not as much social pressure for the next two and a half months where maybe one of those half acre plots though there is food now they know four weeks from now there's going to be 15 does in there and fawns and it's just going to be like they don't want to be around that stuff and we keep talking about the isolation of some of these big bucks for sure and you know eventually they end up you know coming in counter with with other ones but I think a good spot even though he's a younger deer You start to think how some of these deer set up on the place where you killed your buck this year Mm -hmm. and that plot is very much in the center or or near the center of that property you know and it's super thick around it to where they can come in and they can get out of that plot pretty quick but i think there's probably also some destination food sources around that property that they also have access to
1: um there has to be because those bucks aren't in there like every night or, or even that often
0: which i mean you think because of that brassica plot they would be I mean and this is the mindset that I think a lot of us like I have to start even though I'm looking at this and like well you know what's Pennsylvania got left for me if I'm thinking about Ohio or Kentucky still here in the next five six weeks it's like you know what do I got option wise you know and and frankly you have to start thinking about where are these deer at now but where the where do they want to be you know in these bigger bigger plots essentially or these these cut cornfields seems to be you know, or if they're standing crops, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and even, like, our Ohio lease, you know, that, frankly, again, hadn't been seeing shit for for months. Like, all of a sudden, like, hey, that's, we, last night there was a really nice nine point, I don't know that deer, mm-hmm. you know, in that big cut cornfield. You know, and so I think that you start to see this little bit of a transition around um, as these deer kind of position themselves at least for the next eight weeks, you know, if not ten. Um, and, and that could be dramatically different than what we've seen, you know, early season and, and during the heat of, you know, October, November. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm in the same boat though. I mean, part of me, well, so this week I had, um, a buddy come out who's got a skid steer and a mulcher, uh, come out behind the house and, and basically we mapped out a, an area or two that we're going to try to clear out and expand food plot there, um, um, and it, again, it's 28 acres behind there, but like there's enough deer that move through there that if there's enough food, I can probably have a better shot or the kids will have a better shot at killing some of these bucks. Right now, they're literally, they can walk across that food plot in three seconds, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they definitely skirt a lot of that stuff. So like I'm starting, my, my mission for 22 on that property is is food and I am going to do some cuts and cover, but for almost all the properties I hunt, whether it's there, the new place in Ohio or Kentucky is food. That's that is my limiting factor. Where I think on your home farm, at least, it's probably more cover, you know. And you're starting this, what's not going to be a quick process, but this long term process to, you know, restoring pasture basically to some sort of early successional cover, um, per what Craig had talked to us about. Craig Harper,
1: that's the plan, you know, tentatively. Um, I don't know the whites woods just feel so small this time of year like mm-hmm. you know in september it's like optimism is is there yes <laughs> and it's like seems like there's a lot of bucks and they you know there's just so much foliage and stuff it's like the woods feels big and it's mm-hmm. like man there's just endless opportunities you know and but as the season goes on like and the foliage falls and the bucks kind of move off or, or get killed it's like you're kind of left with um it can seem pretty desolate yeah um this time of year and unless you have like a really good um thermal cover you know section which around us is is typically you know pine trees yeah um you know it can be tough to to find a buck at, at all you know and it's not like you know I, oh I've got 20 different stand locations it's like okay most of them are useless this time yeah, of year 100 you know you have to find that bed food and it's not just any bed it's got to be thermal bedding to late season food sources and in my opinion size size matters, size matters. Mm-hmm. you know when it comes to a late season food source um so if I change anything as far as food um it, it would be you know in catering to the late season increasing the size of a late season food source like like a real world um you know bean plot would be probably the yep the move there well
0: and that's where my struggle is right now because like obviously everything that we've positioned we positioned summer cameras then we kind of shifted them <laughs> around to pre-rut and really those pre-rut mainly covered the rut, like now at this point like most of these cameras are i'm not seeing anything on right you know because they're pinch points in woods and things like that so it's like what do i do do i go into these areas and do i try to move cameras around and get one on pattern like in pennsylvania and kentucky i literally have two two and a half weeks mm-hmm. like it's, it's not gonna be worth it you know you have to try to intuitively think like all right, throw any observations aside. Like as long as I know that there's a shooter buck in there. And that's the other thing that's been my struggle of all of 21. And I've heard this from a lot of people, but just like deer hunting, like some people will say, including me, like it was a bad season for me. Like I, I couldn't, I didn't have a shooter buck besides the 200, which I put my time in for, I don't have a shooter buck to even go after. Like I just, there wasn't one, which is fine. Like that's part of holding your standards to a certain point. Um, where other people I talked to this is the greatest season that they've ever had in their life. You know? And it's just like, how, how can it be like that? Like, even if, especially like, if I understand, if I hunted one place, like, let's say I just hunted Pennsylvania, I could completely understand like, Hey, this is a poor season, but we had Kentucky and Ohio and Illinois. And like, it just wasn't good all around. You know, and know, part of it, I think is what we talked about, which is, um, leases versus land ownership. And I think we've quickly realized that there, there are certain places that leases make sense. Um, there's a lot of places that even if you don't hunt or have as many places to hunt, if you own something and can own something, huge advantage, right? And, and for the short term and the long term. Um, but I think the other thing is, you know, the, the time that you can effectively and efficiently hunt places and states unless you're, you know, Eberhard said it, one of the TV guys, right? Can't do it. It's not possible. For you and I working, you know, most of the people listen to this, like you can go and hunt. You can go do an outfitter hunt for five days here. You can do an outfitter hunt for five days here. But if you truly want to like have a chance at killing mature Bucks, and especially if you're talking about leases and or permission ground, or even more so public land, which we did a bunch of, it's not possible. Mm. Like, I really don't think that you can manage life meaning work family etc and travel to multiple states and be successful especially at killing mature bucks maybe a buck i'm sure we could have went to any state and killed a buck you know or a Mm two-year-old you know we have plenty of chances in illinois to do that but to kill a mature buck there's no way you don't have enough time
1: yeah well i mean just like i said about you know the september time frame it's it's easy to look at it and be like, oh, I've got, you know, 15 or 20 bucks, you know, all these deer I would shoot. Um, and I've got all these different setups and, and so much time to get it done. It's, you know, it's a three, four month season mm-hmm. you know, in Ohio. But uh, the, the reality is that, you know, a lot of them deer are going to move off. Only certain stands are going to be good at certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. And you're only going to catch so many, you know, weather patterns, which in my opinion is the biggest factor of, of daylight movement, Huge. assuming you have the right you know habitat on your property that you're hunting to begin with and so like it 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 matters man there's there's only a few select opportunities and if you're like okay um red moon says second week i should be in you know kansas okay (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) maybe you know yeah but that doesn't
0: mean the weather i mean here's the perfect case in point this year literally what november 1st to the 6th Mm -hmm. amazing Right time of yeah. year,
1: right weather. And it's not always that way. Correct. Yeah, I've had that week be terrible.
0: The the two weeks prior to that, trash. Mm-hmm. The two weeks after that, of which we, you were in Illinois, then you weren't, then you were in Illinois with me, mm-hmm. garbage. Yep. Like literally, we had November 1st to the 6th. And if you start to look at all these people killing deer, including yourself, and when I had chances at that 200, it was during the 1st of the 6th. We talked with Steve Shirk about it. 1st of the 6th. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you think about okay, I've got Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Illinois, whatever to hunt. Now I've got really five, six
1: days that was prime hunting. You can't hunt everywhere. You yeah. can't be everywhere. Well, and they they rarely come in more than you know three day long stretches. Yeah, because it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a rain front, and this is probably the most true in October, but I think it's pretty relevant for for November as well for, mm-hmm. for daylight movement. Anyways, is it's gonna be a a precipitation front where you know it warms up a bit the pressure decreases and then shortly after that like within a 12 hour window the pressure's going to rise the temperature's going to drop and yep. you're going to have out. you're going to have three four you know three four good you know really good hunts there that uh, you know to make it happen so to, to look at a full week's worth of hunting you hope that it overlaps that in Mm -hmm. some capacity but you rarely get a full week's worth of of good weather hunts yeah and so it just uh, you know i think it just comes down to like flexibility and and i know it's like it's hard to drop the hat and drive to kansas because cold front's coming yeah but that's
0: that's what it's going to take that's kind of what it takes
1: to to be the most effective with your time um it's man it's just so hard to 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 get all of the homework and the preparation to align and, and then to have the flexibility to, to watch for those weather fronts or, or just you know to watch for a specific bucks movement patterns on you know mm-hmm. from from a camera from a distance um to be able to make the move but I, I think that's if you can set that up on you know two or three different places where big bucks are that that seems like the way to to be the most effective with your time and to actually you know put some of these deer on the ground I mean I think that's what it comes coming down from to. a guy I don't think who's ever, I've never killed more than one buck in a season I'm pretty sure Yeah, I've had I've become close. Yeah, and I've I've had I've shot at more
0: than one buck in a season (laughs) I've had several two buck seasons for sure, but I mean it is the You know perfect alignment that buck that you know Right there over your shoulder I killed we went to Kansas and like first morning in Kansas, you know I stuck a 180. Yeah, but it was because like the way that I killed that deer was the end of October big cold front He was coming to a scrape right in the evening fast forward four weeks basically and now we're peak we're out of Kansas chasing you know so it's you know when I I want to say this because like and given that we've got plenty of of friends and acquaintances and stuff in the industry but like uh, as I see and read more of the comments which I really like now I think you do too even though you say you don't like to read the comments I don't read them yeah you do I saw you comment on some um (laughs) they you know I I think I want people to understand like it's okay to go and hunt somewhere and not be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that far too often some of the content that's put out is like, oh, so-and-so went to Illinois and then they shot this buck. And next thing you know, they're in Missouri and killed this buck. And, like, it's it, it can happen. It's an interesting subject. <laughs> it, it can happen,
1: but it's not. But nobody wants to watch that.
0: well nobody (laughs) wants to watch it frankly and 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 it's a weird thing because i I joke with people in some of the comments like you know eberhardt saying well like i wouldn't move to iowa to kill one and it's like oh my bags are already packed like i'm ready to go but but to that point i wouldn't want to hop outfitters and just kill bucks Mm -hmm. and that goes back to this whole why like we
1: hunt public land but i would never give up I mean, there's there's nuance even in that. Like, I'm not going to say I would never go and hunt with an outfitter, but but you know that that's such a that's such a um, situational thing. Like you know, outfit and and, and like the term outfitter is just like you know somebody who you you know pay to go like have access to their land and yeah steve shirt's an outfitter i would hunt with steve shirt yeah it could be such a there's such a diversity and like you know they're literally taking you to the stand that they pre-hung and they're like they're doing this versus like you know hey you pay me and you hunt this farm it's essentially a lease and Mm -hmm. so like you know i don't like judging guys that hunt with outfitters either um but you see what i'm i'm talking about the guys who literally
0: are rolling in know yep. nothing about their oh, they're yeah. putting a stand they shoot the deer two days later they're rolling out of camp and into the next camp yeah oh i know i know the guys it's an entertainer based up, yep. side yep. and 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 i say that because like a lot of times i think the people who like land management and who really dig into land ownership get looped into that upper one percent group like that and we're not we're completely different right the fact that i like it land ownership and management is because starting today i'm picking up sheds and thinking what's this deer going to look like next year mm-hmm. right what food plots should i be planning where is he betting you know should i put some cameras in to see if i can get him and, and make sure his body condition's good this off season side is what i think
1: you and i live for yeah. right which is what makes the season so exciting well yeah and like your what you were just saying a, uh, a second ago is like <clears throat> If you don't kill a deer, like y- you don't have a TV show, basically, because nobody wants to watch. You know, you sit in a tree stand for twelve, and, and that's just the reality. Like that's sure. that, that's not inherently wrong. Uh, you know, I don't like to watch hunts that. You know, no, why don't? Yeah, not that I haven't, but it's like, and and so that puts a lot of pressure on people trying to produce, you know, hunt, hunting TV shows to to kill something. Yes, and so I can I can understand the pressure to you know to go and hunt with an outfitter or to to whatever it is that's going to like stack the odds in your favor. It's just unfortunate because, you know, we've seen guys get burned out by that. Yeah, I can name a few right now. I know that are just. Well, Bill Winkie will tell you he got burned out by it. Told us on yeah, his podcast. Yeah. That it just, you know, eventually he just kind of wanted to hunt and not have to worry about that stuff. He did it this year. Yeah. And there's guys worse than that that I think were like, I just kills on film. Got to get kills on film. And it's like, man, bummer. You know, because I know that guy really liked to hunt. You know, back at in one the day. point, yeah, at one point, and then it just became a, how many, how many animals can you kill on film and turn into a TV show? And that, that sucks. You know, that's frankly, that's why you and I kind of decided you know midway through this thing, anything, it's like, it would be cool to, to film these things and to, you know, capture our experience and stuff. But like, dude, I, I want nothing to do with, with that pressure, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and what that would take away from, you um, And it does like our passion of it's not to say
0: like um like i love watching back on some of the hunts that i either even self-filmed and and things like that you know but uh, obviously
1: nothing wrong with filming yeah yeah yeah.
0: well and i'm sure there's a a bunch of people that are listening to this that film their hunts but like there's a simplicity to not filming the hunt um as part of this podcast especially when we discussed that is really the pure climax moment of everything that we do around across the whole year and i think when you end up trying to film and document and, and even this year like i mean dude we bounced a lot of states trying to capture film and eventually it was like dude we we just we can't do this we're,
1: we're we don't hunt enough we don't hunt enough places well the thing is that's not real like <laughs> people don't get to go out and kill eight or twelve bucks a year you know and that's you have to to to, to have like a successful you know yeah. sh- show of some sort like you know, you, even the hunting public, I mean, those guys freaking hunt every day. Like, yes. Like, and... It's yeah. a lot. The And the pressure's on them to, you know, I don't... You know, they don't have to put down the same no, kind I of deer I mean, that the, the, the pressure are was doing, but... For
0: sure on them. I mean, because I know this year especially, I I want to say it was, like, early to mid-October, and they had not posted, like, a deer yeah. tour kill. And I know people were talking about it, and it's like, well, guys, like, that's normal. Like, here I am sitting on December 23rd. I I'm gonna punch a tag, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like... What like, but they it because they're that entertainer that show. They feel the pressure because, frankly, the public us puts it on them to be like guys. Like, what's going on? Like it's o- October fifteenth. You haven't killed anything. Like, well,
1: yeah, because we're all sitting here, you know, with tags in our pockets, you know, looking for inspiration to say, oh, how cool. You, yeah, you know, that's that's what we're trying to do. You know, to keep mm-hmm. us fired up and stuff. And that's that's good. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to. It's not it. something for like I think a lot of people listening to this probably envy guys like that and be like man
0: I wish I could do like what the hunting public does I don't you know and, and it's because I've been in that position before and
1: I know those guys
0: and how hard they work it is not an easy <laughs> position to be in well yeah
1: I've said it to you before off the podcast I might as well just say it now there's nobody that I feel worse for in this industry probably than like Aaron Warburton yeah you know and anybody you know greg or, or zach those guys that are in the hunting public and and there probably are other shows doing like a similar thing you know they set out to do a, a good thing you know they wanted to like eberhard said last week you know make hunting public cool again and they mm-hmm. they, the, they they did success. That. success absolutely yeah, yeah. They, they they accrued a, a large following and, and have had a lot of success you know hunting public land but that's hard. Hunting public land is is really hard and it you know it it's admirable to, to go out and, and do something um, hard and, and accomplish something significant on it like to kill a big buck or you know whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But at some point it's like man how long you know and this might be weird coming from like a 28-year-old kid but like how long do you want to like you know suffer through like the, the hardest way you could possibly try to kill a deer? Mm-hmm. Like at some point you know wouldn't you want to find a more enjoyable Way to do it. Well,
0: I think that's that was the challenge, and maybe people took it out of uh, out of context when we were talking with probably Eric and Cody because I said something like like mm-hmm. who would like choose to hunt public land. Yep. And the reason I say that is, be, and coming from a guy who hunted public land purely for a long time and, and was successful, like the enjoyment that I've found, especially owning land, but even when I leased it, um, around year round management and planning and control there's a there's a, a a big part of me that lives for everything around those october november december moments right and it's and frankly there's some of it i enjoy more than the struggles of a mid october or a late season just because like i'm building towards it right i'm putting effort in the fact finding these sheds today is just a cool step of that and so when you when you start to think about the guys who've kind of pigeonholed themselves in the public side, like you know, Aaron, Greg and Zach especially, like, man, at some point, like I get it, but that's exhausting. And, you know? And we're it,
1: fans, by the way. Like we love yeah, them. They're good friends of ours. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what they're doing. I, I just simply at this point, you know, I just feel bad that like they, they can't now go and you Know just hunt private, like well, and, and, and I think that, and, and I don't know
0: how many people know this. You know, I've known those guys for over a decade, and so prior to hunting public, we're gonna talk to them in two, in two weeks. Yep, yeah, at ATA, uh, was Midwest Whitetail, right? And and Greg had hunted Bill's oh, property a little bit. I
1: have something to bring up with you after this, okay?
0: I had hunted uh, Greg had hunted Bill's property a little bit, killed some bucks, but but Aaron and the other guys they hunted a lot of public, right? But when they did that, they didn't just go and kill a two year old. Like they killed, they were after giant mature public land deer in Iowa. Yeah. And I think that that was a cool transition. It was very like, man, it's like these guys can go public and kill 160 inch five year old. I mean, go back and watch some of. Um, yeah, they did it. Yeah. So. I was going to say, go watch some of Warb's stuff where he's back there killing
1: it the decoy buck, the swamp buck. Now, all of a and... sudden,
0: you've put yourself in a position where you're traveling across the country on public and the pressure to kill is greater than the pressure to kill a mature deer. And so that's where I think to your point of like feeling bad for them, like I know those guys love the challenge of going out and trying to kill a big buck on public <laughs> land in Iowa. Um, and they put a lot of time and an investment in it. Now all of a sudden these guys have to hunt 15 different states to the point that we covered earlier. It's not possible to kill mature bucks in all of those states. Yeah, You can't do it. and But the pressure to kill is on. So what do you end up doing? shooting two-year-olds which is fine if 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 that's what you really want i just have to kind of question like is that what those guys really want you know is there a reason that greg hasn't really killed that many deer over the last four years on hunting public because he tends to hold out for a mature buck Mm -hmm. and so you know i do like i know those guys really well they'll be with us at ata but like i have to ask that question and i probably will when they're there And it's like guys Like, I know this is fun. Like, I love that deer camp atmosphere that they're having. But at some point, like,
1: is there something more that you want out of this thing? Well, and those guys have said from the beginning openly that, like, their business model is different from, you know, most of the hunting shows prior to them. Including, I assume, Midwest Whitetail in that their focus is not on... Um, you know their their partners, yeah. Sponsorships and commercialization, essentially, and that the, the viewer is first. You know they will they will do anything, bend over backwards, essentially to cater to the to the viewer, which they've been <laughs> successful with. And man, while that's admirable, like that is, that's just like a, a mouth that can never be satisfied.
0: No, I mean it, just the this conversation right here. There will be diehard THP fans who probably say like you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know those guys. They love doing this. And I'm not arguing that they don't have fun doing some sure. of that. But all of them would tell you that given the chance to kind of slow down and refocus and try to kill a big buck and still do what they do every year, I guarantee
1: they would take it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure they're all at different places. You know, I know warp has got, uh, like, recently got married, and he's mm-hmm. got two kids yep, from that kids. marriage. Yep. That, you know, his, his that may not be his goal. You know, he, he might just want to spend time with, with those guys and, and introduce them to hunting and stuff, but which uh, to be honest as a
0: dad myself is extremely difficult to get them involved on public land because that is a hard place to engage them into hunting that keeps oh, their interest well, i mean dude look so at, now what do you do, do you on
1: public or private public man we, well we took uh we took Corey, who was on a couple of the first podcasts mm-hmm. with us and he killed has killed two you know got a good buck last nice, year nice bucks at, at my farm in ohio i've, I've guided mm-hmm. him on on two and we took him out to Illinois public land. Initially, we were d- tried to put in for Kansas. We didn't draw, so we all went to Illinois. I took Corey with us, mm-hmm. and uh, I threw him in on some public land that, like, um, you know, looked really good. And uh, by all indications, he was going to be by himself there. It was pretty off the grid. There's like six trucks, uh, you know, for the first day, and he's running into people in the tr- and I felt terrible. Yeah, I mean, basically that's his, getting cussed out the first morning—that's his the first experience—and I'm just like, yeah, I, I just got a bad taste about public from that whole that whole trip. It's
0: not easy. It's not for everyone. There are certain times that you know I won't say that I thoroughly enjoy it, but I like it. Like it's it's a cool challenge. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I am with uh, you know, Eberhardt was like, "What am I going to do? Move my whole family to, to hunt deer? Okay, yeah, I can see that. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. You know, uh, but like I." I'm still, like, at least now I've got enough energy that, like, I want to pursue opportunity. Mm Because I've hunted hunted Pennsylvania, and I've hunted public land, and I've hunted some really good, you know, private and public stuff in Kansas. And, like, guess which one I'm choosing Mm -hmm. every time, even though it's 17 hours away. Yeah. It's just more fun. Yeah. You know, it's, and maybe it is, you know, to use John's words, it's easier Mm -hmm. than you to kill a buck in, you know, but I don't do things just (laughs) because they are hard. Like, I enjoy the challenge, but... You like the success? Yeah, I, li- I like to be successful at it as well.
0: Well, I think what's interesting around kind of what John said, and and obviously, like, first of all, like, what a super wealth of knowledge. By the think, way, uh, did
1: you see the documents that he sent us from the ScentLock thing? No, I haven't. It's like a book.
0: Well, that's what somebody asked on the on the thing. They're like, yeah, I've tried John's scent control thing. Like, you I just understand. can't get it.
1: N- no, it's like... 45 or 50 pages
0: this is why nobody everybody's like yeah there's no way you can you know beat the wind i'm like i don't know do his 50 page document and maybe you can Uh, can i probably know what
1: i think yeah i don't think he's beating him. you don't think he is no just lock uh just misperception (laughs) yeah i like i like john a lot and i'm i'm if he thinks it works for him i don't i don't think it does it's interesting though man because i I just don't think you can beat a white tail's nose
0: oh i agree i mean a from the day one of hunting, that's the number one thing I've been told. It's the number one thing that the guys who are killing 200-inch bucks are telling me <clears throat> is that you can't do it. Um, I, and the the hard part of, the, of fathoming that is, like, he's telling me from a high-pressured three- to four-year-old buck range that he's beating them, which is really odd because, like, those deer should be the toughest to kill,
1: Right. I've been wrong about lots of things. I could be dead wrong.
0: I, I just, mean, I just. The fact that I'm never going to probably disprove his 45 page thesis on scent control, I don't know. Good, you know, more power to him. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of what it seems like. It seems like the uh, Build Back Better plan, where it's like, it's a great plan. Like, have you read this? Yeah. You know, it's like there's. Is there a clip good, <laughs> good luck disproving it. Yeah. Before I forget about it, I wanted to circle back to that little shit that. Uh, well, let's from, from Midwest Whitetail. Here's how you know I was going to
0: transition into that. So we talk about the pressure, right? Yeah, classic case, right? Here we are in an industry where people are working really hard. Obviously, Mike and Jared Mills are are super close with us, and like you know have invested in Midwest Whitetail and are now like trying to you know build this brand and continue this momentum without Bill Winky, which is a big piece of it. As part of that, they continue the the intern program, which is where Aaron and all these guys came from. And yeah, I mean, what the hell? Like, if, if a lot of get, people don't know about. If it you probably. guys haven't seen this yet, I want to say uh, if by the time this is out, two weeks ago or so, go back. It's like I forget what it's called. Like Jared's like one ninety four or something on Midwest Whitetail is the video from Jared, and he will briefly discuss or just kind of graze over the fact that some people that used to work for Midwest Whitetail essentially set up on one of his target bucks on a neighboring farm and killed it, you know, and it ended up being, I don't know, 200 and some inch deer, you know, and, and that's kind of Jared's like, hey, let me be clean about this story of which I saw the link and the kid who killed the deer. Yeah. Um, filmed it. it, it he used it to start his own YouTube channel. That yeah. was the, that was yeah. the the move. Yeah. Congrats on your 200 subscribers, bro. Um, but ultimately what it was is these, these two kids, uh, were interns with Midwest Whitetail, with Jared... had Was there two of them? I saw one a, in the video. Um, there's two. Um, and basically had circumvented Jared and got permission on farms adjacent to where this buck was, left Midwest Whitetail... Which,
1: I, I will say, everything he did was totally legal.
0: Oh, super legal. As Moral? far as we know. Morally, no. Like, this is a dick move. Yeah. Leaves the internship program, hunts the deer on the bordering property, kills the deer to start his own it's a giant, giant youtube channel. Monster. Congrats. Which leads me to my point, nobody gives a shit if you kill big bucks. They don't care anymore. Yeah. They don't. The fact is is like is it cool? Is it envious to see people killing big bucks? For sure, especially those who do it consistently. Don Higgins, Adam Hayes, Jared Mills, those guys consistently are killing big bucks and they've been rising, they're doing shit right. Mhm. But nobody cares that you went out and killed a 200 inch deer and you're gonna be the next YouTube superstar. Yeah. And this this industry, I think for a while there has fueled that. And I think finally they're starting to pull back and realize like we made some mistakes there. Yeah. We, we encouraged people to think that they could go out as a nobody and start a channel because they killed a big buck and everybody's gonna be envious of it. And yes, there's some of those videos that get thousands of views and they're cool. That doesn't make you anybody. Doesn't make you an authority in anything. Doesn't make you want to be a role model. For sure, in that case, not a role model. Like, first of all, you you dick off two guys like Jared and Mike, who are amazing guys in this industry, and you think you're gonna walk into it and succeed? No, bro. We're gonna squash you because you can't you can't treat people like that and expect that people are gonna actually say, "Yeah, man," like you must be you must be a great hunter.
1: Yeah, and it's <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it sucks for those guys because, like, dude, it's. I I know how hard it is to, to kill big bucks, um, and to do it on cameras even even harder. Yes, it, and so it's a tough spot for for now. You've got these guys who are have become really good at it. You know, killing giant bucks. I feel like the industry is kind of like you said. At least our conversation is like we're kind of turning a corner on like. Not at all that we we don't want to kill big bucks anymore. That is that's still the mission. <laughs> sure. But I think if we can get away from um, just making that seem as prevalent as like it has in the past, where it's like your feed is full of giant bucks, it's just like that's just not the reality. Especially well, here in the Northeast, it's like it, you have to, and you have you have options. Like you can go the Johnny Eberhardt route, route, and you can just try to kill the best buck in, in mm-hmm. your area, or you know, or you can travel. You, you have options, but to think that like you and I are gonna because we tried. To think you and I are going to go out and kill five or six, you know, booners or, or camera worthy deer every year—it's just not—it's not realistic to balance with a no, <laughs> any yeah. any kind of a lifestyle. You yeah,
0: know? and I think that what I what I really emphasize number two is just before anybody like criticizes me for like attacking these—you know—they're not kids. I'm sure they're in their 20s now. I'm probably not that much younger than you, but. They also set up on the river farm, which is Mike and Jared's farm on adjacent properties and killed another buck of one of their up and comers. So like this isn't like, yeah, this isn't like a one-off like, oh, they just got lucky and killed this. No, they've (laughs) strategically set up on adjacent properties to the farms that they had scouted
1: as Midwest White Hill interns. So did they lie on those videos and just say like they didn't have any pictures of these deer? Yeah, 100%. That was confusing to me. Yeah, you're full of shit. Like, you knew that's why
0: you went and got permission on that farm is because you saw it as you were part of the Midwest Whitetail team and then left and went over there. I if they give me permission. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, but, but why I say that is because this this goes back to... Uh, and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe no knock to those guys. It's the industry that's forcing them the direction. You know, but again, at, at someone, there are plenty of people that I think that are younger and have good woodsmanship and are probably interesting and interesting situations and want to document and want to film and want to be maybe not necessarily like the next Michael Waddell or Mark or Terry Drury, but ultimately want to be part of the industry from a content producer side. And I feel like as these things continue to happen, the pressure on them to be, oh man, like I have to kill big bucks. Like if I don't kill big bucks, I'm not going to succeed all of a sudden, all the content that we have in this industry is Joe Blow going out and killing a 150, and frankly, it's no big deal anymore. And that's not cool because, like, if I kill a mature 150, like, I'm stoked about it. I don't want this industry to basically, in this community of hunters, this all all of a sudden be like, oh, cool, did you see Jared killed a 150? Why didn't he pass it? Mm -hmm. That's where we're heading. Mm -hmm. The pressure of everybody watching it, which is why, you know, I can't imagine the immense pressure on the hunting public because those guys aren't pressured to kill big bucks necessarily as much as they are just any buck. But all of a sudden the rest of the industry, you know, is all big bucks. Perfect example. And I mean, again, like the guys a lot, content's awesome. Seek one. Those guys aren't out there killing
1: two year olds. Those guys but yeah, they're constantly killing giants. Giant. I don't know how that's
0: possible. <laughs> Giant buck. And I mean, it good for them and it's freaking awesome content. But also, like, what is the pressure? Like, what happens if all of a sudden across the country all these suburban areas are like, hey, 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 no more weapons in these areas. Like, we're we're done with that. Like the pressure on these guys to find access to kill these deer is gotta be stressful. And to get it on film. Yeah, well, I mean, and I assume they're getting paid for it. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just yeah. Oh, well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but like you have to. Before people are quick to judge some of the ways that they do stuff or any of these guys do stuff, like there's there's some pressure that's being put on from our industry to succeed. You have to do this. Yeah, you know, and that's a tough thing to say. But I do think to your point, we are finally turning the corner to where. Um, I think a lot of the industry, a lot of the manufacturers and brands, a lot of the content producers are realizing like just good quality content goes way further than hey, I killed this one ninety.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just authenticity and yeah, it's just not possible for for a lot of guys, you know, including us. Like we, yeah. it, as a ama- as great as it sounds, like to you know, I, you watch guys like Levi and the Drurys and Sequan. It's like man, that seems cool. You know but i think we've you know the, the pressure that comes with that is probably it's a lot probably like uh offsetting
0: well i mean again it goes back to the the whole you know we countered kind of eberhardt there on the you know the score side versus the age side which is you know okay these guys are out there just constantly killing 160s 170s 160s sixties, one seventies, one sixties, one seven, like The pressure, like, all of a sudden, and rising's the one that it comes to mind a lot. Like, that dude for a while there was Booner, 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 Booner. He had a year where he didn't kill many bucks, and one of them was, like, a 130 or something. And it was, like, I know he felt like he let everybody down. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, And, and obviously he killed three giants this year. But, like, dude, that pressure is not healthy, especially for what should be something that we all love to do so much, which is hunting. Like the moment I, I remember getting, when I got hired at Cabela's, the first thing I remember like talking to myself, I was like, first of all, I was like, yeah, this is in the industry. Like it's cool. Then at some point I was talking to a couple guys who we sponsored in the TV side. And I remember one guy coming to me and he said, yeah, I was talking about a show. He's like, man, I was like, you know, it's got to feel great to be like a professional, like a hunter. Like mm-hmm. you do this, you love it. He's like, yeah, I'm actually an entertainer. And he was dead serious. Like he wasn't a hunter mm. he was an entertainer he made a show to entertain people and it's a fairly well known person and then in the same breath like i talked to other people who told me listen the moment you think that deer hunting is work you need to walk away mm-hmm. because if you love it that much and it becomes work at some point you're gonna hate it and so like here's two guys very rooted in the industry at that time uh very well-known shows one guy's basically telling me he's not even a hunter. he's in a, He does it for entertainment. Like, the fact is, I don't think that even registered when he would shoot a moose or a caribou or whatever. He's just like, cool, got another show, you know? And the other guy's telling me how much he loves deer hunting, but he knows that he's very close to where it's work for him. And if that happens, he's got to stop. Because then the thing he loves the most that he's lived his, his entire life for is not work, right? How do you enjoy that? And I think that's probably the question to guys like Warburton, you know, guys like Levi or Mark and Terry. Like, these guys love deer and deer hunting. It's 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 undeniable when you see the passion and why they do it. But at some point, like, how close are they to where it's like, well, yeah, it's also work, you know? I'm plugging the shows. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's just kind of like, you know, be mindful of, like, who you're aspiring to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, we said it, the and I don't regret it, and I still... I'm able to manage a position where I love, but there are, first of all, I hunt way less now that I'm in this industry than when I wasn't in this industry. And the other thing is, is like, you have to be very careful being in this industry to not get so wrapped up where from the outside, it's like, man, this looks amazing. Like I couldn't believe how, what working in the hunting industry, then you get in and you're like, what? Like, I thought this guy was like this. Oh, he's an ass. I thought this company made great products. No, it's junk. You know, they don't even care. They don't even, the guys running it aren't even hunters. And it's like all of a sudden when you're inside the loop, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. And now there's plenty of great brands, you know, in in this industry and there's plenty of great content producers, but there are ones in in this place. And I think some of the public is getting smarter about it. I think they're starting to see how that's panning out. But ultimately it's like, you can see, at least I feel like you can watch content and you can be like, that guy doesn't love to deer hunt like I hunt. He just is doing it to check the box and move forward. You know? Or or even some of our seasoned <clears throat> veterans.
1: I watched one last night. Yeah,
0: even our seasoned veterans where you're, you like, I remember watching these guys growing up and thinking, man, like, they love hunting. And now I watch them and it's like, they're not even excited. Yeah. It's just like, <sighs> Is this season over yet? And, like, to me, and I think where you and I are at even right now talking about it, I'm sure a lot of people listen, Is like, it's been a long season. Like, I'm still not ready to let it go, but I'm also so psyched about 22 and, like, getting my hands dirty and, like, figuring out how to make it better. This season sucked. How do I make 22 better? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I feel like, what is it in – what's in it for these guys? Like, they're just going to go to the off season and then they're like, cool – August 1st, better get back on the road and just go through it again. You know, because th- there's nothing that they're prepping for. There's nothing that they're getting ready for. It's a job. That's not envious.
1: Yeah. It's the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a general cloak over the industry. You know, we, we've talked to some guys who I think, that, you know, they do love it. And, mm-hmm. and they put a lot of work. You know what? You know, Bill and the guys at West Whites, I know they, they put a and they have a whole off season show. You know, they, they oh. put a ton of work into that. You know, Sean, uh, from from Heartland Bowhunter, I think 100%. those guys put a ton of work in, in on the off season. It's not like you have to you don't have to like work at it the whole off season in order for us to respect you or for like you to be a real home. Not at all. Like it's not a not a requirement, but but yeah, I mean there, there's a class of people that I think just get caught up in the industry or the expectation from, you know, the they're they're following or whatever that they have to to be a certain thing and like so um yeah, f- fortunately I, th- I think we've made a conscious decision to to avoid that mm-hmm. you know the podcast is like our our bread and butter and it doesn't require us to kill uh you know five Giants every year although w- I think we would both love that and like yes. our, you know our, our listeners I would at least like to kill one deer this our year. listeners and stuff <laughs> would think that was cool but man if you if you understood like how how difficult it is to to pull that off you mm-hmm. know and there are some guys like you know ben rising that, that can do it 12 days it's like man they're they're just so far and few between that um you just have to just be yourself and like dude this this is us. so like we we just get on and and chat with or without guests and like it's just it's about our season whether we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're having success or not and and i What's been cool as we've progressed through this year is like we've gotten the opportunity to to talk to a lot of guys who have like paved their way through the industry like all all across the board you know from the hunting public to midwest whitetail to to guys on the land side like jeff sturgis Uh, dan perez all these people with perspective on most of them at least twice my age you know for perspective on like you know where they're at with with hunting in this point and so it's it's been really cool for us to, to kind of hear that from those guys and then be able to like evaluate our own perspective of like our hunting careers and be like, okay, I I don't want this. I don't want to end up like that. Um, this, this seems like a more sustainable course, something I can ultimately enjoy. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always mean all out for giant bucks. Um, I'll tell you that
0: one guy that I think. really resonated of if i had to well of course to be envious of him but if i had to lay it out and say like this is where i want to be when i'm his age is dan perez mm-hmm. like if you look at dan and you hear how number one how he talks passionate about land ownership i get that obviously white tail properties founder um but but ultimately where dan is now is like every morning he wakes up as a blessing to be outside to enjoy nature to see the sunrise to see deer to try to track and find big bucks but like he like that's a guy where i'm like man like you're the co-founder of whitetail properties like one of the icons like man you think you'd feel the pressure because you own so much land to like just kill giant bucks all the time he doesn't yeah he just loves being out there and just wants to be in it and like every day he's thinking something, like if he's going and working on the farm or he's planting food plots or he's checking cameras or he is hunting, like he is a guy who has situated himself to say, I'm not going to let the pressure of the industry and icons ruin my expectation of what I want, which is ultimately I just want to
1: live deer and deer hunting 365 days a year. That's what he does. Yeah, and I just think that, uh, and Dan's a great example of this is just to, to be able to have the freedom to, to do what you love is probably like what what he represents to us and a lot of people look at people in the industry you know some of these um you know whatever tv show hunting guys and they it's easy to think like that that's that you know these guys are doing what they love they're living in their career but <clears throat> they're seems, not free. so many times yeah it, <laughs> it seems like such a such a, a trap because a lot of those guys are just miserable because they're caught up with the pressure of having to perform and they live on the road for 90 days plus and a year it's pretty twisted because it's like a lot of them loved hunting to begin with and now the very thing that they got into the industry because to, to pursue is like manipulated and used against them and that's like the very it's like they're you know the very thing that's um causing them stress I know and that's that's
0: where I think um you know it's always kind of the be careful what you wish for type of thing. There's a, there's a middle ground there for anybody that kind of has to work the day job and even works outside the day job because they want to own land or do this, or even the guy who wants to just hunt public land. Like there's an ability to enjoy that to its fullest and to be, you know, quote unquote, part of the industry without having to sacrifice your feelings and the real worth at the end of the day for what you want well and
1: just ask yourself like why just ask yourself why (laughs) well and that's what surprises whether that's do i want to get into the industry or you know you should have role models and you should look at people and be like do i want to end up like that person and before you say yes like you should do some investigation as to like are are what is it are they happy are they happy
0: yeah and i mean i think listen i've been there i mean when i when i came out i did a bunch of public land series type stuff you know, I was chasing public land deer in, in Missouri mainly. Um, and it, you know, I killed some deer and I was trying to film and, you know, came out of that. We've done a lot of that kind of side of like, hey, let's film our hunts, let's do this. You know, and ultimately the things that I've recognized that I enjoy are, I love the year round aspect of deer management, uh, which tends to be in in ownership, land ownership, or it could be leases or it could be permission ground. Um, and I love to challenge myself to kill normally a particular deer not just mature deer you know i really like to focus on a deer which was why this year was so hard as i had like one deer in, in a place that i didn't have a lot of access to to hunt and other than that i didn't have shit. i didn't have anything i wanted to hunt and so like that's where i want to be and you know, if I kill big bucks, that's awesome. If I don't, like, I'm okay with that because that's just part, like, right now I'm ready to go for 22, and what can I make it better to ensure that I have a deer to kill next year? I think that's all it comes down to. If you're if you're sitting here saying, well, I want to hunt to kill big bucks only, I don't think that's it because there's a lot more to killing big bucks than just killing a big buck. Like, are, how are you going to get there? How are you going to grow the big buck? Are you going to find it? Is it access? Is it public land? Good luck. You know, and I think that that's where people kind of just say, well, no, like I, I agree with you guys. I want to kill mature bucks. Well, cool. How you can't you kill that mature buck if he isn't there? So are you going to do things on the off season to grow it? You're going to get access? You know, that's what I think is so interesting about someone. I think it was maybe Adam. Was the one who was telling us about it, Adam Hayes? Mm -hmm. Where I was like, Well, dude, like how do you grow these two hundreds? He like just goes around till he finds one and then he really works hard to try to get access to it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like I didn't like here I am thinking, like, man, I'll never grow a two hundred. Neither will he. He'll just find it. Yeah. And it's so it's just weird when you kind of put yourself in those positions and like think about it. It's like, Oh, that's crazy. Like I thought you just like knew how to grow big bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I think that's what's so cool about deer hunting is, like, it's, it can be whatever you want it to be, and it can be as hard or as easy, you know, depending on your, your resources and stuff. Like, you, you can decide that, like, hey, I, I want to kill a 200-incher on public land, and it's possible. It's possible, you know, but you're going to really have to work for it's it. It's going to be a long road. <laughs> um, <clears throat> before we got there, I was just thinking about, I mean, dude, you and I are, are so blessed to just be able to to know that we love to deer hunt and to have mm-hmm. figured out that that's like a passion of mm-hmm. ours regardless of um you know our goals you know within that passion I just I kind of pity people that like it would be like short-sighted to say don't hunt but that's like how, how I see it but like just people that like don't, don't have something like this that they're that passionate about yeah. I, dude, I find myself asking, like, dude, if, you, if you don't, like, hunt like, and, and I realize there's other passions, but it's like, wh- what do you do? What? Yeah. I mean, dude, I, th- I think about this stuff every day. Like, I wake up in the morning, like, uh, imag- like, I have to wake myself out of a dream of, like, where this tree stand was going to be, or, like, whatever aspect it is that I'm excited about at the moment. And I just can't fathom, like, what people who aren't passionate about something like this, like, spend their, spe- like, fill their brain space with. Well, and I guess
0: that's where my curiosity is with, with certain, cause I know I was in it for a long time there when I strictly hunted public land is like that, you know, there's shed season, but really from, I don't know, April, May to July, August, like there's not a lot you can do on public land. Like you can yeah. scout, you can turkey hunt. Walk around and under, but there's just not a lot you can do. You know, there's a lot you can do right after the season. I mean, we see Steve's been posting a ton of stuff on train, it. just train.
1: I train well. I've created reasons to have yeah. stuff to do. Like I was like, you know, shed, shed hunting was like, okay, that's like a, mm-hmm. a couple week deal there, and, and then what? I'm like, um, you know, prep work on the farm, but I was like trying to fill, you know, two voids here. Two birds with one stone. And so we started doing Western hunts. Yes. I was like, hey, we don't do anything. Like, uh, yeah. September 1st. And I was like, that complements with tag season, essentially. Like, putting in for tags and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like January, January February, March. March. Then know where and then train for it. And then train. I mean, dude, that takes physical fitness to do, yeah. to do a lot of this stuff. And yeah. so, like... I, it's because i want to mm-hmm. you know i feel great because of it but i want to like make it a lifestyle and so like i i know that deer season ultimately is coming and i want to feel good when i'm hanging stands and, and we've got this work to do these mule deer hunts that we do take a, a lot of uh, physical mm-hmm. effort we're putting 10 miles in a day you know up up and down seven seven thousand uh, mm-hmm. you know feet and stuff and i want to feel great when i'm doing that and so it's just an excuse for me to like push it like in, in the gym and yeah you know I'll put 100 pounds on my back and rock up the stairs and and I look like a crazy person cuz it's like why why am i doing that <laughs> yeah, you, know? you do but it's fun and i just like i'm i'm gonna, attract all the old I'm ladies, like i'm going to hunt mean. so hard like i'm just mm-hmm. and i get hype about it and it's like it's an excuse for me to just be thinking about this stuff all the time all the old
0: ladies are just taking numbers to do the stair stepper next to you i've had my fair share of old lady <laughs> approach me on the stair- on
1: the stair stepper
0: yeah <laughs> I think it, it is interesting though, because like, I know right now, like I had, um, was it last week or so I, I got out the hunt stand maps and I'm sitting there like, okay, here's, I'm going to plant this. I'm going to do this. And like quickly I find myself, you know, overexcited basically. Cause I'm like, well, I'm going to cut this out and then I'm going to plant some pines here. And then it's like, no, 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 there, there's no time for that. Like you got to really focus. So like, again, my, my thing this year is I'm planting food. That's the goal. I want to plant food as long as I get all my food in. You need me over your shoulder
1: when you're doing that stuff because you're the salesman and I'm the realist. Because I'm like, I'm like, well, we're gonna
0: cut all this, we're gonna plant this, we're gonna plant plant trees here. We could saw this, and you're like, that's like fifty acres. Yeah, no. pick, <laughs> pick two. We'll do two. Yeah, yeah. Just two. Yeah. Damn it.
1: Yeah, stuff takes time, man. It
0: does, man. But what happens is, is I end up getting two. Too, just like the hunts, right? I get too much going on and you don't do
1: any of it effectively. Well, and dude, we did that this year. You know, we're we're, we're kind of Monday morning uh, quarterback in here saying, like, well, mm-hmm. do what your time allows. But this year, dude, we, we wasted time and money on leases. Yes. Um, we got them from the wrong place. They, 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 weren't necessarily as good as we thought they were but we couldn't figure that out we didn't have time that we couldn't t- even check them out we didn't have time we just didn't have the resources and like it, we ended up stretching ourselves too thin and uh I don't want to do that again <clears throat> no that was miserable <laughs> yeah I mean we, we had some fun hunts throughout it it was it was cool but like I mean we we <laughs> leased um
0: I don't know I want to say north of 1500 acres probably across the country in multiple states and yeah. yet i'm still sitting here with all my tags if that paints a picture to anyone
1: I, I think i think it's worth noting and like not to mention any names but like if you're going to use a, a leasing service I, I think i think you should be well, i think you should be wary of those
0: i i, I think that um, i don't I, I don't think it's as much the leasing service like screwing you over as much no, as it is not. the the ultimate demand for access is is screwing everybody over. Yeah. The market makes it so...
1: You will get a lease... There's so many eyes on those things. You'll
0: get a lease email tonight at 8 p.m. or whatever. Filled. Filled. If you do not touch it and do not book it, you will lose it. And And then if you book it, basically, and you don't do it, you lose 400 bucks, which is crazy. But that's just... That's the world it is. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, everyone... I was showing you two... One was in Muskingum and one was in, I don't know, Belmont County. So, like right next to us right within an hour
1: last night pending pending and you're right the services are not ill-intentioned like the market is just so hot everybody's watching those you know and it's inevitable They're, they're gonna have to get picked through there's eyes on these things before they get listed i'm sure there's some decent ones out there but a few and far between i really think you should save yourself the money and the time of hunting a place that you know might not be that good and go out and try to make some relationships uh and if you end up leasing like there's nothing wrong with a leasing relationship that's that's a great thing to do but um well i I think that's
0: a good transition we've kind of i've mentioned in comments i don't know if we've talked about it here on the podcast but part of what we're doing in 2022 is is we're going to do kind of a companion podcast called i bought a farm right and so tying into this whole leasing process here you know, one of the things, like, uh, I give a good example is Jared and I leased this 300-acre piece in uh, Ohio. Carroll which, County. Yep, from the outside looking in, banging piece. Seemed the right, is right down the road. Pretty close right, to my farm, yeah. Yep, right neighborhood. Like, everything made it seem well. Transparently cost almost $9,000 yeah. for that year. Big piece of timber. Big piece of timber, Right the deer that we got on camera buckwise in July were the same fricking
1: deer that we got on camera when the lease lapsed a few days ago and <laughs> well and here, here's the thing that we we learned and like the, the lander is a great guy has become kind of a personal friend of mine mm-hmm. but the reality is like we we bought and paid for this lease without knowing really anything about we didn't it. have a choice yeah I glanced at it on the map and it was like it's the right place it's you know it looks Looks at, good. At face value, like it's going to be really solid. I, I was aware of the area. You know, I knew some bucks that were, were around there. What we, what we couldn't know until we had spent that money and went out and, and hunted there for a for, rent or ran tra- trail cameras at least, is that that guy is out there every single day. Managing the crap out of his woods, you know, cut, cutting briar. Cleanest and, roads that you'll ever see, but that's also doesn't mean it's good hunting. And it's just... Um, and and I'll say again because it real I broke my heart to have to talk to super guy and say we're not yeah. gonna probably lease again, but you know the, most people these people don't realize that they're like well you know I drive my four wheel around and like I see the deer and like they they don't seem bothered by it and I'm not saying this is the case every time, but like those big mature bucks they do, they don't like that and they they won't tolerate they it. won't tolerate it especially when you're out there every day yeah and I mean we we are ad- looking for remote. Betting cover that you yeah. know they want security cover we basically had
0: one deer that probably was five maybe two I mean one we never saw in daylight it was always a dark we had one that was kind of funky looking he was there and then the rest were like three-year-olds and like as the season progressed um you know we just expected like uh, they're gonna something's good like he's gonna show that one that we're after is gonna show
1: Season's it's, over. It's human pressure, man. I, I've noticed that, uh, and I'm sad to say, but it's like on, on my home farm there, it's just human pressure. Same way. Just, you know, mom and dad dra- driving around on the four-wheeler, whatever, a couple times a week. It's it's us there hunting. It's guests that we have out. It's like, it's just human presence on a place. Them deer don't want to be there. You know, them those mm. will hang out, and, and two- and three-year-olds will hang there until they run out of you know, bed and cover and stuff. And then those big mature bucks w- will move and find security cover. Yep. And whether it's on private or public, you know, that's, you, you have to push into those areas to, and, and you find them. you heard, heard that Ben Rising podcast, it's like, dude, when you're in a buck bedding area and it's, it's a mature dominant buck, like, you know, you know, right away. It's, there's no question. Like it's, there's, there's big, you know, laid in beds, there's sign. Like these deer don't just like adapt and they're like, I'm not going to lay sign because the, the humans are going to see it. No, no. They, they, mark they their left. Spot. They went to a, a remote security, you know, bedding area that just, you haven't found yet you, mm. know, you haven't stumbled into so
0: well and i think the the reason we kind of cover that is because here which is
1: why scouting this time of year i think is so important
0: oh i and again like <laughs> even finding these like i'm stoked to get out uh, you know we pay nine thousand dollars for that lease which we aren't leasing again you know within two years of not doing that lease right now i've got what would be eighteen thousand dollars that essentially is a year's worth of mortgage payments for Three, the same property. A $300,000-esque property, right? Well, maybe not the same property. Yeah, <laughs> Not that one necessarily, although that's not because of the, the hunting capabilities as much as it is timber and stuff there. Yeah. But what I'm saying is you've got the ability. And so what we want to do for this kind of companion podcast as we really get into it is kind of walk you through some of our personal journeys. I mean, many of you guys know that I, I purchased a farm. I'm going to be closing on it here in the next week or so um, in Ohio i'm ready and willing just waiting yeah jared's ready to go Shit, we may end up going in together at some point here on something so we're gonna we're gonna start navigating through that and it's because what we want to walk you guys through is really number one making them if if you really want to spend money on hunting making sure that you're spending it in the best place possible um just like renting like i'm not a huge fan of renting anything why in the hell am i leasing when i should be buying and building an asset same property so we're going to go we're going to go into that aspect of it and then number two for that is as we start to get into these properties not only talking about what we're doing management wise to like get them there um but even before that what did we look for how'd we get financing how are we going to make money on the property is there timber is there cash rent crop like we talked about a lot of this with Dan Perez but I think we want to get real nitty-gritty on this stuff as we move into 22 um, and kind of bring you guys in on that journey. And I think that opened that up for some questions because it seems like there's a lot of you guys who are in the same boat where you're like, yeah, I'm leasing or I kind of have some money for a down payment, but shit. like, when do I know the right property is to buy? You know, or, you know, should I buy now? The market's like so hot. Like, I feel like it's almost like not as demanding as the leasing property, but, but damn close. I mean, I see good properties coming to market. In fact, mine was one where within a day of it being on the market i called the guy i was on it in two days i had an offer in on three days and accepted you know and and so there is some urgency at least right now because money is cheap from a financial standpoint that you if you find the right place don't wait on it because it's probably going to go um but what does the right place look like right and that's really what we're going to we're going to get into with this kind of companion podcast yeah
1: so, And a lot of this stuff is, uh, it's not like in hindsight, you know, here, here's a lesson on how to do all this stuff. Um, we're we're going to just, we're going to do it. And we're going to take, you know, I think the listeners along for our ride as we mm-hmm. kind of uh, get into some of these initial, well, first of all, you know, purchasing, the finding the property, purchasing the property um you've yet to be on it as as the owner Your closing here in a couple I've weeks Been on the property one time and i've been twitching since and so we got a lot of a lot of projects on the horizon a lot of you know fun to be had with that and, and i'm sure some learning experiences that we're, we're i think the plan is just to, to share those as openly as possible I mean, 100 percent the talk, successes and the failures <laughs> yeah talk through how to you know avoid some of the, the failures obviously and, and maybe improve 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 or exceed on on some of the successes but
0: yeah and ultimately I mean there's there's two ways to take this thing and and I've got one right now that kind of is a forever property in Kentucky that is like a family property for me and and something that at some point you know I may even retire to versus kind of what I have in Ohio which is more of an investment um to where I'm going to enjoy it and and really try to improve it over the next three to five years at some point putting it back on market to make a profit So, um, you know, I think that I want to lay that out there because... Buyers? Possibly you. Buyers, possibly you. Um, As as you start to put those pieces together, like, you know, don't think about the first property you buying being that long-lasting, lifelong hunting farm of yours. It could be, um, but it also might not. It also might just be a stepping stone to getting something that's bigger, to getting something that's bigger, to finally landing the property that makes the most sense. So... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm real stoked about that. I mean, obviously, that's where a lot of our passion lies. And, you know, I'm sure we'll cross over and talk about it here on the Hunter podcast. But that companion piece will start coming out here in 22 um, and really just focusing in on land ownership, the process of it, finding land, what to do with it, what are good things,
1: what are bad things. And I think we're still figuring it out. But, I mean, more than, <laughs> yeah. more than likely... it. it as far as the format and stuff, but it'll yeah. it'll be on the same platforms and stuff. And so anywhere you 100%. would want to keep up with us, this is just going to essentially be like a, like you said, a companion podcast, um, you know, around your purchasing of the farm. And, and ultimately, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy one too, and we'll, we'll intertwine, you know, the, the stories of all the projects we're working on there. And,
0: uh, and I think the exciting thing for us, just like this podcast to be stewards of the, the land ownership side, is we're going to pull in guests who can help educate yeah. us on those things so it could be people that are specialized in the financial side it could be stuff in self-directed 401ks it could be stuff in cash rent it could be stuff in timber and forestry yeah all of those things that we could talk about here on the Hunter side but we really want to kind of keep this moving in the same direction that we have been going in 21 is the I bought a, the I bought a farm podcast will really cover in depth to kind of help you bring along on that side. So if yeah, if you're listening on YouTube, it'll end up being just like a separate playlist basically on the Hunter channel. Yeah. You know, if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something like that, it's probably going to be a separate podcast on there. Be fun. Cool.
1: Um, trying to think. Uh, last things probably for wrap up for twenty two. Go ahead. This is a random place to throw this in, but I do want to like let our listeners know that they can watch video on Spotify. Oh yeah, That was a good one. Yeah, cool to you figure that one out. As we're talking about platforms and stuff, so yeah, we've got all of our video. Uh, you know, the video podcast is on Spotify, so mm-hmm. I, it won't work while you're driving and stuff. It has like you know karma lock. And, yeah, lame. But uh, but uh No I'm not driving. If, if you're not as like on YouTube as much or you prefer Spotify, we do have the video version on Spotify.
0: Very cool. See, new things. Advancing well, basically day. Joe Rogan. Yeah, so. pretty <laughs> much the same thing as the Rogan experience. Maybe you heard of them. Yeah. Um yeah, I know and I think last thing in twenty two, um, you know, I i keep some of the um guest suggestions coming. You know, that's something I pay attention to in the comments. I know uh, there's been a lot of call outs for Dan Enfold,
1: The world's best farter. I, I mean father.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> Uh, And so Dan will be, uh, after this podcast, Dan will be the next podcast. I'm just trying to get him to be technically sound on it. Yeah. Um, So, but it sounds like next week we'll film Dan. And then obviously we'll be in person with a lot of these guys at ATA, so we'll have a bunch there. But you know, really would love to hear some of the suggestions. Um, we're obviously going to keep down that path, and and we've got kind of a, a set list
1: that we want to. It of may bring seem in like into. it sometimes, but we definitely don't know everybody. There's probably <laughs> there's a lot of cool people out there doing you know v- some very cool stuff as it relates to like what Jeremy and I are talking about here. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Like you said would love if people shout out um you know or put us in contact with with some of those people and it's definitely not reserved for like you know industry folks no
0: and i mean what i really want to look for some of the kind of even like local um icons in the area like you know i think steve shark's a great one where maybe not everybody's familiar with steve but like what the guy is doing in the northern tier of pennsylvania is is pretty incredible um you know, and I think there's guys it like really is dude. It, it, that's I, insane. If you're
1: keeping up with Steve's like Instagram feed, the amount of bucks that that guy finds on public oh, no. is just
0: insane. I'm just waiting for him to actually give me coordinates to something when I actually ask for him on his Instagram.
1: I think we should make it up with him. We are, next yeah, year. it'll
0: be fun, man. That uh, that's a good deer camp atmosphere. So, like, got that it. it.
1: I w- that is one thing for 22 as well as I think I'm gonna buy a PA. Oh! Uh,
0: oh! You heard it here first. Pennsylvania Game Commission, Jared yeah. Prussia, coming back to the <laughs> yeah, game. <but> look out! <laughs> look out! Look out!
1: Look out! So yeah, we'll we'll bring it back home. And I'm I've been doing some just talking to people, you know. Yeah,
0: but we talk. I I think we are. I mean, I'd hold my PA tag simply to hunt with you up at Steve's place. Okay. And uh, I've kind of been leaning on Pops to get get in shape here now after all the chemo treatments and stuff so he, he's gonna be ready to go he's already talking kansas 2022 and well that's the other thing
1: 2022 we have kansas <laughs> we have kansas we tax. don't know where we're going so if anybody has any <laughs> anywhere to go your property <laughs> yeah
0: so. uh but yeah we have kids 2022 tags and and yeah i mean i've got i've got a farm as soon as i close on it yeah <laughs> in ohio and yeah i mean i, I think it's Twenty two will be exciting. I mean, this offseason, I think, um kind of refocusing. Man, we we ran a lot last year. I mean, just you know, going out to we shed hunted in Illinois, um and Indiana briefly. That's the only time like the guy wrote me the other day, he's like, Hey, you gonna renew this Indiana lease?" So I was like, No. Yeah. <laughs> no thank you. What yeah, what what? No. <laughs> Do I have one? Yeah. Um, but I think that as we start to get into this thing, you know, we kind of know our core pieces. There are a few missing puzzle pieces like uh Kansas, but you know, we know some of our core stuff and that's where I'm going to spend a lot of time from March to June, you know, just making sure food's in place for the summer parts. And then I got to hit hard in July and August to make sure my food plots are good because that's, you know, again, I I mentioned something to somebody the other day. They're like, man, I feel like all the work and all the effort I put into food plots and like, I just don't know when it pays off. And I'm like now, (laughs) like right now. Um, you know you can benefit them benefit from them earlier uh, of course but like it definitely starts paying full force back you know now for your deer whether that's you killing them or just providing that ample food so they're in better condition going into the winter time um, now so we got a lot of our cool partners back for 2022 still working on a few um, new deals and stuff but kind of the originals are are back and um, yeah that's kind of
1: I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot this year. I did too. Not, man. I don't want to just come off like I've you know I know it all because I definitely don't. Mm-hmm. But I've learned a lot this year, you know, fr- from the guests that we've had on and the conversations <laughs> that we've had. It's, it's been pretty cool.
0: I think that some of it, and you know, I know people probably listen to this, pick it up, but there is something cool about like how, there's plenty of us that have heard or thought or wanted to discuss this stuff, and frankly, we're just talking about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's half the battle in the case is like just bring it up, like bring up the fact that, I, yeah, I think crossbows and archery season aren't a great thing. Why? Because there's a shitload of people on public land in some of these states, like Southern Illinois, that makes it difficult for
1: other bow hunters to hunt. There's just so much, there's so much emotion tied up into hunting. John said it last week too. It's it's such a an egotistical sport, yeah, and it really is, and it can take over if if you let it um but if you ju- if we just want to learn you know we're not trying to push our agenda on anybody frankly i think we're trying to adjust ours to like yeah we don't even have an agenda <laughs> yeah well, like our uh, our mindset around yeah. running essentially is yeah what i mean um, you know, based on what we're, we're learning from all these guys who have so much experience and like, man, I feel pretty privileged to have had those conversations.
0: Uh, it's just cool to be able to talk. you know, I, like we've talked to a bunch of these guys in the past, but it's cool to bring it out and just get in and discussion. And man, it is funny. Like next thing you know, you're two hours deep in a conversation with Bill Winky talking about burying caskets in the ground so you can sleep in them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's just, that's just where some of this goes, but like it, it is funny because I think, um. I think the one thing that is the hardest and has always been the hardest in this industry is um, to a point, everybody's an expert, you know. And, and yeah. whether you want to acknowledge it yourself or there's the people who don't hesitate to, to
1: tell you that they are, um, nobody's nobody's an expert at this stuff. How, dude, how many people it's has, impossible. has that like turned away to – I know that that's – like that's that's a lot of people's biggest gripes with like you know bow shops you know you go in there and like you said everybody's an expert well this is how you do it and look at this buck you know everybody wants to start forcing their phone on you and stuff and it's like man can't we just like like let me do my thing let me figure it out at my own pace and like Mm -hmm. have questions like yeah dude it's it's terrible and and it is one of the weird things
0: because you know because everybody's an expert or so and so killed this buck like and I'll be the first to say killing, killing big bucks definitely takes skill. Like you have to, you can't just be sloppy about it. Um, you can, but you're not going to kill them consistently. It sure shit takes a hell of a lot of luck. And that doesn't mean just like you're lucky and being in the right spot at the right time. But it takes a lot of luck in terms of the conditions and your availability. All right, Like this year, that first week in November was banging. And if uh, I was fortunate to be able to hunt a lot and get eyes on a 200 plus inch deer, you killed a booner if i had not been in the woods you believe that i know i'm on that yeah if you, if i had not been in the woods that week it would have been a shit season like yeah. real shitty season but it's it, and that's what i mean by the luck is it's you know unless you're a pro hunter or you know you're retired and you can hunt every day uh and that still isn't the best thing to do don't hunt every day mm-hmm. um you know it it is a lot of luck to to get done but I really want people to understand from this podcast that there is more to hunting than just killing a big buck, you know, and it it's, it's why even here at the end of the season, and there's a chance I don't kill a deer this year, you know, uh, Harlan killed his first buck, which was awesome. You know, I've got big plans for 2022. I'm going to own a new farm. Like there's a lot of things to be excited about and be happy about and be like, this is, this is why I do it um and i i really feel we're getting better at it but man i really feel that so many people get down on themselves because they
1: uh, yep yeah, didn't kill buck this year and it's like who cares man yeah not a big deal you know who cares if i can pat us on the back for one thing i, I think that we've done a really good job at uh prioritizing uh, you know in our case it's, it's hunting that's that's what we love to do mm-hmm. uh and anything that comes along with that you know it's whether that involves the family or, like, I'm not just saying, yeah, like, yeah. hey, yeah, we hunt we prioritize hunting over all things. Um, because that's not the case, but but we know how uh, like, precious that time is, and you only have so many hunting seasons. Frankly, you know, we, you and I could kill over dead tomorrow, like, we don't know, yep. And so, I think we've done a good job over the past like two seasons, maybe at least this last season, of like just being okay with be like, hey, I'm gonna miss out on this thing, but like, dude, we, you need to go hunt, like, because sure. I know that's what you love to do, and yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's a big piece. Um, so, we, so we,
1: we definitely don't hunt every day, but no. when the t- when the time is there, you know, we do everything that we can to. Well, I mean, we, you and
0: I both talked about it, and some of it's season, some of it's not travel. Neither of us have hunted. I haven't hunted since opening day of Ohio. I probably, I mean, I haven't personally hunted in a while. But yeah, dude. Yeah, it's three weeks yeah i mean i don't know i've taken the kids hunting and stuff but i personally haven't hunted in a while so yeah i mean it's not a big deal other thing though to kudos on is the uh, prioritization to this podcast because we kept up with our deal to each other which was one a week of which i don't know if we actually thought we
1: would do one a week. pretty amazing feat um yeah yeah really cool to be you were an hour late for today but
0: i was fine and (laughs) shut That
1: but we did we did it <laughs> we got 52 out in a year yeah and that's
0: that's a cool thing and and again we appreciate everybody listening and and the support and um you know really do believe that we have something cool here but not in a selfish way but sharing it with you guys and so you know keep the feedback coming keep the guest suggestions coming
1: we're on a journey man
0: we're on one that i, I didn't <sighs> realize would reveal itself to us but we're on it yeah man and i don't know where it goes you know it just keeps going and you know, at some point, I, I wrote Sturgis the other day, and I was like, "God, man!" I was like, I've, "I've got this new plot, and and I don't know if I should put switchgrass right up the middle and divide it." But then you told me I shouldn't plant two different plots. This is
1: one of those classic. He was texting Sturgis, and Sturgis was not responding. <laughs>
0: he did respond to me actually. Okay, he did respond to me because I was telling him about I was like distance or density or distance of cover and mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. anyways, we did talk, but like those are the things <laughs> he talks to me. We talked. We talked <laughs> every once in a merry Christmas. Um, but yeah, it's just, those are the things you get into and you're just like, like even still, like, I don't know what's right. Like, I don't know what's right. And that's what this hopefully keeps going is at some point it's, and it's so much trial and error too, you know, like I liked my winter rye this year. I also think that I may have made a mistake by not planting brassicas at my house because the deer numbers fell off real fast after October, where typically they're mm-hmm. still hanging a little bit tougher there. hmm that's just me. Don't know. Live and learn. Live and learn. So, yeah, I, I think that this journey that we've got on this podcast, it's the whole point of that thing. We're not going to change.
1: If anything, we're going to add to it with the I bought a farm side of it. The good and, thing, um, I'm, dude, I'm having fun with it. Like, it's not, yeah. I don't feel the pressure like we're talking about with some of these TV show guys. I like, it, it, If anything, I feel, you know, bad for some of those guys. But I'm I'm having fun with this one. Like, yeah. there's no pressure for us to, to perform. Like, we just, we can just uh, yeah do what we are doing anyways.
0: Was just I was thinking about that talking. the other day.
1: Did you and I, I don't know if you realize we we're on a video chat for like an hour and a half the other day. And it, would, it, it basically was a podcast. <laughs> I thought about it like three quarters of the way through. I was like, it have just we basically should, was a podcast. We should have just recorded we this. We should have saved that one. But
0: That's funny. Well, I mean, that's probably how this thing even got started for us is we would just bullshit for an hour and a half about deer hunting. We're like, yeah, we should probably just like record this thing. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, that's a wrap on 2021. Welcome to 2022. If you're at ATA
1: show this week... um, I think it's 3607 is our booth number.
0: Yep. Stop over. You'll see the Hunter booth set up. Come see us. Um, If not, uh, make sure you like, comment, enter for the call. And um, we will see you on the next one, which should be... Dan
1: Anful. Later. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> there go. Sing me